Hello and welcome to the Selfish Podcast. Today we have Rachel Pofanov and I'm really excited to hear her story. I don't know very little about her, so it's always interesting to me when I know little about the guests because this is all about getting to know them and hearing about their life. So welcome, Rachel. Can you just share with the audience and myself, where in the world are you and what time of day is it for you? Ooh, it's um, 11 a.m. and I'm in Alberta in Canada. So we're oh, just, nice. just, just beginning to experience the the teaser of spring. We kind of go in and out of spring, winter, spring, winter overlap for about six weeks, but we're just beginning to experience the beginning of the warm sun again and things are melting. <laughs> we can come out of our hibernation up here. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm in Spain now and it's uh, 6 p.m. in the evening, but the sun, it's been really rainy, really heavy, like that transition's happening, but there is a bit more warmth here in Southern Spain. So it's not, not quite as cold as Canada. <laughs> Yeah, always so, always so jealous when I hear about other people being in other parts of the country, but amazing that you get to experience that. Yeah, and I like with my guests to get to know them personally and, and know more about their lives. So I really like to go back to the beginning of their life. Can you paint me a picture of what your life was like sort of pre-10 years old? Oh, well, that is definitely the foundation, I believe, of all of our journeys. Um, and we we choose these you know these things to happen to us so that we have something to grow through and from our growth then we are able to um, inspire others to show what is possible and so my story is very much aligned with my purpose and my passion now um, as a child I grew up with both of my parents for the first few years um, and I was the oldest child um, and I was pretty much the experiment. I had two very young parents um, who were dealing with a lot of their own issues and they had not processed their own pain. Um, and mm. so they passed those on to me. And about five, they were divorced. Um, and so I I didn't really understand that life was different, you know, for other people who had parents that were together. I really assumed that it was just, you know, you always lived kind of in a high conflict world. And my parents remarried, which brought in more, you know, times of trying to orient yourself in those relationships and more uh, conflict. So I would say if I was to summarize it, it was a time of high conflict because they were, you know, between each other, between the new relationships they created, the breakdown of the new relationships they created, like they just, my, um, both of them were very emotionally absent. Um, mm -hmm. even though they loved me the best that they could and they did what the best they could with the tools that they had, they came, both of them came from families where it was so much about performance and about achievement and not so much about just, you know, ever experiencing unconditional love. So both of them projected that onto me and I've been able to sort through <laughs> all of the yeah. great gifts that they've given me from that. <laughs> Oh, nice. And I love that you, you say gifts because that's a big part of what I share with people is you can transform, you can choose to make these gifts, these experiences. It's the beauty of being a, a human. Um, how was school life for you? What, what was school like back then? I loved school. Um, I did so well, always did so well in school. And that was kind of because it was my escape 
from my home life. It was something that was routine. It was stable. I knew what I was going to show up as, you know, more or less, you kind of have an idea of who your friends are and your teachers are like, that was the reliable uh, part of my world. And so I always did really well, graduated with high honors. Like I, that was a big thing for me was just dig into the studies. I needed that as the escape, right. From um, Mm. all the chaos that I was surrounded by. So I enjoyed school. Still, I enjoy learning very much. Oh, nice. And what would you remember what your first sort of ambition or dream or desire was to be, like your earliest memory? Yes, I actually wanted to be um, an ER surgeon, and I did not want to have any kids. <laughs> but the universe doesn't do it your way. <laughs> so I was enrolled in med school. Um, straight out of high school and accepted and everything. And then I got pregnant with my son who was, who was, I was very blessed with him. He's a dream child. Um, and, and so there it is that that was the end of that plan. So I realized I can't be an ER surgeon and still be a single mother. It just wouldn't be fair to him to try and go through that kind of schooling and then live that life. Um, and so I now have four kids um, and I'm not an ER surgeon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from thinking none to four, it's quite quite a few. And um, now this may be your parents and the conflict at home, but what comes to mind when I say, like, what was your earliest or first struggle in life? Uh, the first struggle in life I recall, I was raised by mostly by my dad. Um, and he was single for most of the time. So he, I was raised between him and with my brother, who is younger. So I was ra- raised in a very male-dominant Um, world and also because he is a farmer. So I think there was two struggles that were going on for me. And one was just trying to, trying to be valued as a female, not just as like, I took on um, the role, the nurturing role, because my mom was absent. So I took on that nurturing role of cooking and cleaning and looking after um, my dad and my brother, even at eight years old, I was already starting to be in the kitchen. Um, and doing laundry. And then because I grew up on a farm, I was also expected to work like a male. And so I felt I like now I look back at it and I can see where I where I had developed patterns um, of, Mm. you know, codependency and that kind of stuff. So it definitely laid the ground for uh, the challenges that I would grow through. Um, So that was one of them. And the second one, I believe would be that we lived a feast and famine life. Um, with farming, right? There's some years that are phenomenal. And then there's other years that are struggle. And so you, you grow up with this um, predisposition to always wondering when the other shoe is going to drop, always, you know, planning for the worst, always mitigating risk, right? And so when you're always doing that, you're really not allowing yourself to step outside the boundaries of what is safe. And so that has been a big uh, growth opportunity as well for me. Okay, yeah, no, really interesting. And back then, when you was going through them sort of obstacles and doing them, was there anything you found that gave you some balance in your life? Any tactics, or you just got through day to day? It really was just getting through day to day. I don't remember any like my grandma. Um, I'm so thankful for her. We spend a lot of time with my grandparents because they were also part of the farm, and she would always tell me, you know, just let this or this too shall pass. That was one of her favorite sayings. And I think that that was probably the only thing was just when I felt overwhelmed or I didn't feel appreciated or, you know, I felt like I didn't fit in. 
even within my own family structure, I, or that I was being taken advantage of, you know, I would just tell myself that, that one day something else is going to change, which in a way is good because it helps you to be able to not get hung up on the present or what was going on in the circumstances. But at the same time, you're always then searching for what, where the greener pastures is and what's going to make you happy. And I didn't, I don't really have any guidance. I don't feel towards going inside and finding your inner strength. Um, that was something that I've learned through my own growth, but had, really wasn't taught to me. Um, and I feel that that's a, a big disfavor that we do to our kids uh, societally is that we teach them that if you do this, you'll have this, or if you accomplish this, then you can be this instead of just, you know, enabling them to become aware that it's already in you. Everything you want ever need is already in you. Yeah, no, beautifully put. And I can totally relate to that. Like that was a big issue for me for most of my life. And you might not have heard a lot of my story, but I had a really traumatic childhood. My mom, I, my parents broke up when I was about five, but my mom had severe schizophrenia, which only just mm. got worse and worse. Um, and myself and my brother became her full-time carers pretty much from about seven years old. And like, it caused me lots of depression and suicidal issues and all sorts of things and pressure. And, but I always had in my mind, I was like, oh, one day, like you said, greener pastures, one day this will change one day. And then after like nearly two decades of it just getting worse, um, I was so fixed, fixated that in the future that these expectations would be met that I was just living in misery in the present moment that I was in for so long. And it was like yeah. only actually letting go of that. And especially when you're young, like when I was 15, I was thinking, oh, by the time I'm 30, I won't, this won't be a suffering anymore because that sank would have changed. And when I get there and it's worse, it's like, okay. And you feel the pain of them expectations. Like you said that, whether it's school systems or parents or whatever it is, but it's like, do this and you'll get this. And then when mm -hmm. you don't get it, you're filled with all the disappointment. Um, yeah, yeah and then self-judgment, right? And then it's yeah. that self-judgment of, well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing or what I've been told I need to do to get this, but I'm still not getting it. So there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. And like you said, you become full of judgment. Like that was a big path and why I share online is like, now I live, I'm very ambitious, but I don't have, I'm not set on my expectations anymore. I don't expect anything. That's open. The, the external is not within my control. And the last two years have shown that to a lot of people. <laughs> it's, it's just added that that's not where we can influence it, but we don't control it. And once I let go of my expectations, then I saw like judgments fade away, conditions fade away, and uh, more unity appear in my life and, and how I view life and others. So what process, what changed in your life for like what age were you when this all started to sort of transform itself? It actually has been a, um, I was, oh, it's definitely been a process. I started doing a elite uh, athlete mindset performance coaching. And that was about 15 years ago. And that was about the same time that I, uh, for a business, like that was more of a hobby thing for a business, I was doing business growth consulting. So both of them were very mindset focused, and very, you know, um, the theme was really just overcome. It wasn't so much of work through it was just overcome, 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 because that was my mm -hmm. personality. So I was really good at teaching people how to you know block things out and overcome, which I now see that's not the healthiest strategy. But that was also very much the culture and um, 
the beginnings of the self-help industry. So that was about 15 years ago. And I realized even during that, I started noticing that I'm working with two groups of very elite and high performance people. And even though they're achieving these things, they're still not happy. So why are they not happy? Why am I not happy? Because I have a very similar you know, story to you. It's like you keep on going and trying to do these things and you're looking externally for the validation and you're not getting it or you're um, performing at this high level, but you're still not able to make those strides that you you know, thought would make sense to have be happening now. Like that mathematical equation we've created for our life isn't working out into creating the outcome or the effect of what we're going after, right? And so I totally hear what you're saying with the expectation thing and, and those attachments that we have to everything looking the way that we believe it, it needs to look. So that was part of the journey. And then my biggest eye opener was uh, with my ex, I was with him for 10 years. Um, and we have two of my youngest children together. And it was very emotionally, mentally destructive. Um, it was super unhealthy. And, but also, I have him on my phone. I've changed his name to teacher. We now have a great relationship, mm-hmm. better than we've ever had, actually, uh, as friendship and co-parenting. Um, and that's, again, we, we've dropped the expectations off. But for him, he was my greatest teacher in helping me to realize that I can accept what somebody else says about me or to me, or I can choose differently. And it was in those times where he'd be cutting me down and being so derogatory. um, And, you know, what I thought was so important, he'd be chopping all that up and making me feel like I was smaller than an ant. But then in those moments, I got to, I learned how to take my power back. So no longer was I allowing him to make me feel I didn't have that belief anymore, where he could make me do anything. Then I opened up a whole new world when he even while he was talking, I could pull myself out of the situation, and almost start coaching myself in my own mind and be like, do I want to accept this as truth for me? Or am I going to believe something different? And then I started noticing all the ways that he's reflecting my beliefs back to me. Um, And that in that relationship was one of my greatest eye openers because I had had great success um, financially. And then I had a complete breakdown in the financial world. And, you know, I've had quite the uh, roller coaster of a life, but with him, it was just like everything that didn't need to be there was just stripped away. And I was just, I was back to being raw and vulnerable and um, open to learning things and seeing things in a new way. And that's when I really becoming aware of how much power we have to really to create our lives all so much based on the thoughts that we choose and what we focus on and our ability really to um, receive the things that we're asking for. Cause we spend so much time doing, 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 but we spend so little time allowing things, those things that we've asked for to come into our lives, to receive um, all the greatness that's been held for us. Yeah, no, this sounds wonderful that you got that insight during during that time. And like you said right at the beginning, with things being a gift, that was part, like I said, with my my mum and and her life. And for years, I saw that as my suffering. And you go through these should have, would have, could have sort of mentalities and all these thoughts. And it's like how different your life could have been in this. And what I call it is like imagination, time traveling, and it's a complete waste of your time and imagination where mm-hmm. you could go back into your your stresses and come up with all the ways it could have gone differently 
But when you mm -hmm. sort of change your perception to how did that gift me? What did that actually serve me from that situation? Because you can use your imagination from that. Like you said earlier, it's a choice. And once you come to that awareness that you can choose these things and the power of your imagination, they like said, it sounds like you went through that with him <laughs> while going through the actual event, which is uh, fascinating. And how did that transform then? So you, you said you was with him for 10 years. Then you mm -hmm. come out of the relationship. And then was it like, was there a part where you was like, now you're going to work on yourself and build your like worth and value up? Or did you already feel that was already, you done that in the process? I felt that, and this is what one thing that I teach, um, is that we have a spark um, that I believe that's inside us. It's like a, a seed. And it sits there dormant like any seed does until the conditions are met for it to start to germinate. Um, and then, it, you know, it grows, it comes out of its shell, and it, then it comes out of the soil, right? And so I feel, if I'm using that same analogy, during those 10 years, my seed, my spark was um, ignited. And it was just beginning to germinate. And so after that, um, I sold, like when I finally stood up and said, okay, enough, you know, we're going to go our own ways, because and I explained this to him that we, we're both, it's like there's two plants in a pot right now that are competing for space. And it was like, my roots were choking out his roots because I didn't also wasn't able to communicate at that point um, what I, my needs or wants or anything like that because I had been so used to suppressing them. But I felt also at the same time frustrated that they weren't being met. Mm. And then for him, you know, his roots were choking out my roots in that I just didn't feel that I had space to grow or to evolve because every time that I would uh, change in some way or start standing up for myself, he didn't appreciate that and he. Um, would find some way to try and chop it down. So when I use that analogy that we need to have our own pots, we need to be transplanting ourselves into new areas so that we can both grow and flourish. You know, he didn't like it, but he understood it. And hmm. so from that point, then we, we both separated. And um, as soon as I, we were separated, I put that, I finished renovating the house, sold it, and then took that money and said, I don't care what the world would say to do. I know they would say to reinvest us and buy another house, that kind of stuff. More than anything, I knew I just needed some time, first of all, with my kids because we had a roofing company. So summertime, we were always, always busy. Um, but also I needed that time to figure out who I was, right? That's the things that I teach um, is that there's three levels. First, you figure out uh, yourself by knowing yourself. So you then ignite your potential. What makes you tick? You know, what lights you up? What makes you unique? I couldn't have answered any of those things while I was with him. I had no idea. And then the second level is then to love yourself, right? We activate that and then we bloom into it. We start celebrating and delighting in who you are and becoming your best friend and your cheerleader. And we stop, we drop that mental battle and the inner fights and we regain um, our power, our energy back. And then level three is learning how to express yourself where you're absolutely fully into freedom and you're radiating your light. And so for me, I was only beginning, I feel, of that knowing thyself where I was starting to notice the patterns of Oh, okay, I believe this and I can see how this correlated to my childhood or I'm experiencing this pattern on repeat. I need to shift this in my thinking. You know, I was just at that beginning stage when we split, even though I had full awareness 
since I was about 16 of, um, you know, Bob Proctor and how our thoughts control our world. But to me, it I wasn't able to connect the two and bring it into my life. It was like, this is how you manifest. And also, I have a life that I don't love. And so they seemed very disconnected until I was able to bring everything in together and see how everything that we feel on the inside is always um, presented to us, reflected to us, mirrored back to us through the people, places, and things on the outside, the outside experiences, right? It's, we really, we are the cause and everything else around us is the effect. And when you start to realize the power that you have to create the life you desire just by working on yourself, it actually becomes a whole lot more exciting because now I don't have to work on fixing everybody and myself. I can just work on me and then everything else around me can change. Yeah, no, I can really resonate with, resonate with all them points, even your stages. I can see myself how I went through them stages during my own development. And similar how you said to Bob Proctor, you read that when you were younger. When I was uh, around, I think, 15, 16, I had a load of CDs of Tony Robbins, like Financial Freedom. <laughs> and I remember yeah. listening to them every second, every day. But my my mind was focused on fixing the problem. I was like, if I had enough money... I can sort my mum out, have care, do all these things. I have this freedom. I've, and again, I will feel good once I get there, <laughs> you know, so I set on all these and none, mm-hmm. of, none of it happened at all, you know, but I wasn't seeing all the other messages in there. I was only seeing what I was, my mind was set to, and that was to making money to get out of a problem. And also that if I get out and fix everything, then I'll feel good. And for me, it took like a lot more trauma to happen and then being isolated to witness the, them thoughts that were sort of flowing through and realizing the inner voice that I had was like a horrible dictator. Well, it was like a really abusive relationship, how I talked to myself. And I saw that as drive before. I saw that was encouragement before. I thought, oh, this is what gets me. This is what gives me fuel to keep going. And I realized, no, it's like someone whipping you. It's like getting, I was whipping myself constantly to, to live, um, but to get to the future. <laughs> and yeah, I had to rewire, rewire that voice and sort of kick it out the room and tell it wait for a, a polite nice kind person to come back in and they said i went for a self-love journey and had to practice that and find out that i didn't love myself <laughs> and it's like i didn't even know it was a thing you know and um no it's really nice to really relate to what you're saying with all that all them bits and so that process you went through that and like you said you've got four kids now and you had two kids with the first one so at what point did you then because a lot of times when people come out of a long-term relationship, I myself came out of a 10-year relationship when I was like 25, I think. And it, the first the first instinct was like, I do not want a relationship right now. And it wasn't just to work on myself. It's like, I just don't, I've just, it was painful. So it's like, mm-hmm. you don't want one. And that seems to be the most part for most people is they come out of a relationship. The last thing they want is another one. So w- at what point did you end up with your current husband? Um, I'm actually not married, but or partner. My, I'm not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. Um, you know, this is how I started seeing it because I do understand, especially when there's a fear of attracting the same thing. So my thing was when I realized because I spent the majority of my life single. I I raised my first two kids by myself, um. And just because the fathers had other agendas with their world and, and that was fine. And then I had these two with this one. Um, And, you know, I really, once I really got the concept that 
what is in our relationships, the, the conflict that comes up in the relationships is the conflict I still have with myself. When I was able to access that awareness, it everything changed. The fear of being picking the right relationship or um, picking the right life partner or any of those agendas disappeared because now I saw didn't matter who I was with or how long I was with them. All of it became a huge guiding light to what is still unresolved, unintegrated, unhealed within me. And it's not, I don't believe that our job is to run around to fix ourselves. I believe that our job is to become aware of who we are. And then those things don't matter anymore. Um, and so it's been interesting because the partner who I am with now, we have the kind of relationship where when some either one of us feels even remotely triggered, both of us are very aware of this concept, um, that now it opens up space for our internal dialogue with ourselves. It's just like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this. So that actually means I'm believing this about myself, right? Because it's always, what would somebody have to believe about themselves to be triggered by this? or to be afraid of this, or to, you know, have this activated in them, right? So then when you can turn it back around on yourself, and just see that everything is such a gift to you, it's like, oh, there's still a little bit of that lingering. That's interesting. You know, I thought I had healed that, but that's okay. Let's go back and look at another layer of it. Um, and so I don't believe that there <clears throat> needs to be a fear of attracting the right partner or replicating the same you know, if we would call them mistakes, which I don't believe there's such a thing. Um, when you become aware of the truths that are trying to be shared with you, um, the only time that we would be afraid is when we don't realize the power that we have to create the world that we desire. Yeah, nice. And I, uh, again, resonate with you. You said mistakes. I, I made a video and shared that and I had a few people just not understand uh, they're like everyone makes mistakes and i was trying to explain you may you only mistake the opportunity but that opportunity is always there to be rewired you can make the choice to to take something from that event and therefore it was never a mistake because you needed that so it's sort of like i, I love that things. That's brilliant. I, I love like I love playing with words, too. And I love, you know, dissecting them and pulling them apart and looking at the etymology of it. But that's brilliant. Yes. The the misunderstanding, the mistake of the perception, right? That yeah, kind of just leads the, us on a different path. Yeah. And like I said, it's like coming to awareness that you're the creator and you, you can create, you can choose, you have choices. And that's what I've tried to explain to other people when I have conversations and not just on my podcast, like I, I love communicating and sharing because again, it aids me and I see every interaction that I have is just, that's, I choose to see it this way that that's meant to happen. And I'm meant to experience that because there's an opportunity there. Yes. And, and a bit like you said earlier, and I don't see it as because I need fixing. That was a part of my journey is realizing that this healing journey, this fixing journey was still a condition I set in myself that I'm broken. And I was like, I'm not broken. I'm not damaged. You know, I, I'm actually full of potential love, joy, and I'm just growing. It's just some of it may be growing pains, you know, but I'm growing and that's all it is. And I'm on a path of growth and expansion. So I was like, I'm not healing. I don't need to heal. And I, mm -hmm. I see that as being like a sort of, I see a lot of people that are now looking at all the information that's available and they're all healing, healing, healing. But then to me, you're setting the expectation that one day you'll be healed and one day that will feel a certain way. 
yet you're always going to grow. You're always going to expand, and it's just an ever go, ever ongoing process. And you've got to love the process. Yes, I love that. I love how you're saying, you know, the focus then becomes, and I totally agree with this. The focus is no longer on fixing yourself or achieving these things because then you will have blah blah blah. It's it's just on evolving, understanding that we just are here to evolve and dissolve, and that's it. And if you look at life through that lens, all this other stuff just doesn't matter as much as we have been conditioned to believe that it matters. So I totally understand your what you're saying to people that's so inspiring that you're able to say to them that the focus is not on trying to find what's wrong with you because as long as you believe there's something wrong with you it's always going to hold you back you can't get to any place if you believe there's something wrong with you there's, there's so much bondage in that thought alone yeah. um that you won't be able to you know, attract what you want, you won't be able to move into the power that you want, you're always going to believe that you're deficit. And so you're only going to attract more experiences, whether it's financially in relationships, in your health, in your purpose, that show you reflect back to you, your deficiencies, but really, we're not deficient. So when we can step outside of that old paradigm of thinking we need to fix to get things and just go, I already have it, and I already am it then there's no more struggle. Now it's just becomes fun. And what's up for me to learn today? What, how, where can I grow? Where can I evolve today? Yeah, nice. And obviously, like when we're sharing all this and, and talking about for a lot of people, they're maybe listening because they're on a path of what they think is healing. And like, I just want to remind them, they're not broken or damaged. Like I said, it is a mm -hmm. path of growth. It is a path of love and self-love. And it is a path to enjoy and to be excited about. A big part of my life was because of my, like you said, conditioning. Um, I lost the excitement, and I didn't realize until I one day was it was an event that I was uh, in, and I was going through my self love practices, and my life had changed internally drastically. And then I was, it was actually a Tony Robbins event online, and um, he said, "Shout your excited noise," and I was blank. It's like, what do you mean an excited noise? I don't have an excited noise. <laughs> and then one day and I was out in the woods doing some sort of breath work and meditation and that excited thing was plaguing on me. And I was sitting there and I started crying and laughing that mm. I didn't know anymore what excitement felt like. And that mm -hmm. sparked excitement that I got something that I don't know. <laughs> I've got something I don't know. I've got something that can happen at some point. I'm going to be. And then in that moment, I was excited and I felt it and okay. I was flooded with tears of joy. I was laughing. I came back to my love, Danielle, tears in my eyes, laughing, going, you can't believe what just happened to me. <laughs> and it was like yeah. a real transformation going, okay, because you need excitement. I think like excitement sparks that start. And like you said, then you get some motivation and then you need to start keeping that fuel going with momentum. And like you're doing, you're helping people on this journey and aiding them through um, sort of just loving life and expanding, but keeping that momentum. What do you do in your own life? to is any any particular practices or things that you do to keep your momentum going and flowing oh yes yes there is I'm very intentional about how I live my life um and I think that's the first step is you know create like decide what life do you want to live what do you want it to feel like what qualities do you want to be present in there and then 
how can you be that? We focus so much on the doing and the having, but what qualities can you become? And so then I practice those qualities. So one thing is um, play. Like I love to be curious and to drop the agenda and to dismiss the old uh, thoughts, the conditions and challenge ideas. And can I look at it this a different way? Like I said, can we play with the words? You know, how can we see this from a different perspective that just feels a little bit lighter and more playful? So that's one thing. But also for me, I set an intention before I go to sleep um, that I will receive the highest answers of whatever it is that I'm working on, um, whether it's through the course that I'm writing, the book that I'm writing, whatever it is that I'll they'll always come, I'll come up into something and I'll say, you know, I know that the world says this. I know there's a lot of uh, thinking in the self-help industry that's saying this, but there's something missing here. Otherwise people would be getting it. So how can I explain this in a way that's different or that explains the missing component? So I'm always digging a little bit deeper to see what's underneath. Um, And then that's my intention before I go to sleep. And I'll often dream about it, some symbology, some analogy, some metaphor. And then in the morning, in my beautiful sleep wake state that I absolutely love, and I milk as long as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, And I'll just stay in that place and just keep pulling the awarenesses that I received out of my sleep time. And then also, you know, just feel absolute appreciation for living a life that I've created for living in flow for being able to receive the guidance. So my, the beginning of my day, I'm realigning myself to what is true for me. And then I'm also starting my morning in gratitude appreciation without even trying to say, I am thankful for this, right? I'm just, I'm in the feeling of it. Um, And then as I, then I ask, you know, what is the highest thing for me to share for me to do for me to, you know, do for other people, you know, how is it that I can serve today? And so then I will somehow be guided into either a teaching or something for a video or um, a chapter for the book or whatever, wherever it is. And then as I'm going through my day, I continue to ask questions. And that's another big practice for me is that I've realized how much of we have been taught is somebody else's thoughts and my my thinking on that is that means that it's the past I'm just reliving somebody else's past I'm not even reliving my past it's just somebody else's version so for me to live a life that's completely new and uncharted territory that means that I need to be a questioner of everything and so that's what I'm doing a lot of my day is I'm questioning things I'll think oh that's interesting that that's quite the theme out there I'm noticing how can I you know, put a different twist on that? Or how can I bring in universal laws into that thinking? Or, you know, um, is there a justification on this? Or does it do I need to challenge my thinking on that? Um, And so that's where I'm at now with my personal evolution is that I'm just in that world of questioning and serving and questioning and serving and questioning and serving just being, you know, back to that open place again of innocence of realizing, I don't know anything and everything I thought I knew was somebody else's interpretation of the world. How do I want to interpret the world? What is my choosings? Um, And those kinds of things. So that's, yeah, I do. I live very intentional. I run regularly also because I love being outdoors. And yesterday we went snowshoeing and it was just amazing to me to see the way that all of nature 
gives and receives effortlessly without fear. You know, they, they give generously, like the trees are there and they give us the fresh air and they take in our carbon um, dioxide. But I also believe that they take on um, our emotions that we, maybe we are unaware of how to process or that we're even there, that we're aware that they exist, right? So these trees are taking that on for us, but it benefits them, right? They need that carbon dioxide to be able to do their process internally, which then they pump out the oxygen, right? That fresh life-giving oxygen. So it's just so neat to see that if we allow ourselves to be in that flow state, that energetically we're able to give and receive without worrying that we need to hoard or that there's lack or that there's scarcity. We don't need to hold on to our emotions. We don't need to hold on to protection mechanisms. We don't need to hold on to any of this stuff because everything we already want and need and desire is already within us and already within our world. It's just up to us to become aware so that we can access it. Yeah. And what, what would you say to someone who's in the beginning sort of stages of maybe just becoming aware like their eyes are just opening a little bit as early in the morning for them what was something that someone could do to grow their awareness um like there's two things one is like we've already kind of discussed that the world mirrors your beliefs back to you so and and people don't like to hear this you know i always um use the analogy of when a dog looks in the mirror and then it barks at its own reflection because it doesn't really want to understand that that's its reflection, right? And we're the same way where we will see things and we'll be like, oh, no, I didn't create that or we're going to try and reject it. But when you can actually get into a place where you actually want growth more than you want to be right and you can um, allow those awarenesses in, I would say that the number one thing that will guide people on seeing how much of the world you do create and how much of this world is set up for your awareness, for your growth, is really when you start to see um, experiences, people, conversations even, as a reflection for you to grow, because you've asked to grow. So how can you now grow? How can you use the tools that are surrounding you to go to the next level? That's the first thing. And the second thing that I always encourage people to do, um, and you kind of also touched on this with the excitement thing, is yes, I... I think it is so crucially important because it's become such a weakened muscle within us to touch into that emotional guidance system. We need to strengthen the muscles of that. We have been conditioned to see things very linear and very mathematically, um, like in a mathematical equation that we're not able to be in flow. And so I encourage people to spend 15 minutes a day and it sounds like nothing but it is so life transforming every person who i have given this instruction to within three days if not within seven have come back to be me and said this has completely changed my life and things are opening up for me and what i tell them to do is spend 15 minutes a day doing what makes you happy not for the benefit of anybody else not for the benefit of healing not for the benefit of anything but just for the benefit of getting in touch with you and what lights you up because it's like that spark right we need to activate that spark within us it's there yeah you was just talking about the the spark within and i really like that that you're saying like don't just to do something that you enjoy because i think like you said that's been so absent in most people's lives for so long because again there's certain conditionings and belief systems that they had that they have to say they have to do something um mm -hmm. rather than do what you just feel 
uh, and a big part's feelings. And yeah, so what what do you do to for fun? What do you do for your when you do your fifteen minutes? What's fun for you? What's exciting for you? Definitely, my running is my thing. I like to run in the hills. I run ultra marathons. I race them, um, and so I spend a lot of time training. But because I I'm not very good at sitting and I feel like I sit already so much on the computer. So then sitting more for meditation, unless it's during that, you know, like I said, this my sleep wake state when I'm pulling information out of what I had been um, shown. Other than that, I am not the kind of person who can just go and sit and meditate for an hour, but I can go and run for two hours and always I will get insights and awareness at about the 40 minute mark. It just starts coming through so much that I'm, you know, I'm on my phone and I'm making notes while I'm trying to run. Hmm. Um, but for me, that's a big time is just being in that state of open, um, openness and awareness and curiosity and appreciation of all that's coming in. You know, you're just like, you just keep um, playing with, again, that energy of of giving and receiving, right? Of I'm out there in nature. I'm appreciating all that I'm receiving from the elements, from the animals, from the insights that I'm receiving. I, I just, I, that is my time that I feel um, that I'm the most in alignment with who I am because I'm directly tuned in to the energy and the awarenesses that I need. And I'm also directly tuned into appreciating and just being in love with everything that already exists so that's that's a big thing but you know I really encourage people like we're not just one thing right and so much of our conditioning is also taught that right when we say oh hi I am and then you describe who you are usually around your occupation and that becomes who you are, or you're talking to other people and in the other tribe that you're in, now you are a mom or a father, or you go into another tribe and, you know, like we put these labels on ourselves, and every time we put a label on ourselves, it creates a definition and a boundary and also a separation. Um, and so I really encourage people to not create those labels, but to find all, like discover all aspects of you. Maybe there's something you used to love to do when you were a child, but you haven't touched it for so long. But maybe it's something like painting or singing or, um, you know, even playing with Play-Doh or whatever, right? Whatever it is that excites you. What you will find is that that doesn't only um, activate that inner spark within you. But like I said, it's the sunshine that pours down on it. It's what nurtures that seed and it helps it to grow. And as it grows, then you start to become able to say, this is for me and this is not for me because every opportunity isn't for us. Others opportunities that come across my desk constantly where I could jump on them, but they're not in what is the highest alignment for me. So now I can feel into it and say, that excites me. There's a growth opportunity here. I can evolve or no, that doesn't, that's going to completely take off me off my path. And that's going to um, this be a distraction for me right now on the path that I'm on the trajectory. Right. And so I feel that it's crucially important that we spend that time 
um, being in that state of open awareness, curiosity, enjoyment, giving that to ourselves, because I teach people the self wealth concept, which is, you know, worth is always still comparison, right? Self worth is we're still comparing ourselves to somebody else. And that doesn't feel good. And because I come from a financial background, I use the difference between worth and wealth, um, in very similar concepts where wealth is people who are wealthy have figured out ways to invest in ways that create dividends. And we don't always aren't able to articulate what we're going to experience out of the growth opportunity or out of the ways that we're investing in ourselves or out of the 15 minutes that we are prioritizing ourselves and our playtime. But what comes out of that always is the two crucialist I feel the two most crucial awarenesses is one, when we show up for ourselves, the world shows up for us. So if we're not willing to show up for ourselves, we can't expect our anybody in our relationships or the world, like say that you um, maybe have sent in a form and you're waiting for a feedback or waiting for acceptance on something or you're waiting for whatever it is, right? If you feel like you're in waiting mode, look at your own life. Are you showing up for yourself? in a way that the world could then, you know, mirror that back to you, that it begins to show up for you. So that's, you know, one of the biggest things that I encourage people to do, because as you invest in yourself in ways that pay dividends, we aren't always aware of where those dividends are going to show up, but they do. And it opens up channels for us to receive um, the things that are always being held for us in escrow. But we just don't seem to be able to get to those places of awareness and, and acceptance of it. Yeah, nice, no. I like the the metaphor with, with the finances, that made sense. And um, yeah, I find it really interesting. With all my guests, I ask them all similar questions. I always start with the childhood and like your, your first ambition and dream um, was to be, like you said, an ER surgeon. So you wanted to sort of dissect and uh, mend extreme physical trauma. And now you're basically offering that as a service um yeah. but in a different way in a, in a totally different way but you're doing the same thing you're trying to help people who've got wounds to realize that they're not broken you know and they can rearrange their life and and change and choose uh, a way of living that's for them so where can people find you if they want to get involved with your work or to find out more about you you mentioned videos do you have a youtube channel i do um first i just want to say thank you for that beautiful feedback. I love the way that you connected those dots. I have connected those dots loosely, but I see it very clearly now. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so YouTube channel is just my name. If you search my name up, Rachel Poffenroth, um, then I have lots of videos on there. Also on Instagram, because I really believe that my calling, my highest calling is to be a lighthouse um, as a beacon of light to call people back home to the truth of who they are to realize how powerful you are. And so my if you go on my Instagram, I release regular um, high vibe reminders for the real so they're just one minute reminders. And I've had so much feedback from so many people in different walks of life to say that reminder that they need always seems to be there on that day. So it's me sharing an empowering thought with you just to realign your thoughts to what is true and to pull you out of your circumstances that you might be wrapped up in emotionally or mentally. Um, 
so those two places are probably the two best for people to find me or also my website, which is rachelpoffinroth.com. And if they go on there, there is a five day self-love challenge. And you and I have talked about this a little bit that how important that self-love is, because if you really do want to become the creator of your world, you have to be able to a um, want to do it for yourself, B, believe that you deserve to have it and C, really, you know, get to know and appreciate who you are. And that's the same energy, the essence of what's going to be created in the world around you. So if you're doubting yourself or you're cutting yourself down, that's going to keep being reflected back to you. So the first place to start is really with the self-love journey. And I hear so many people say, yeah, you know, I, I do that. And there's a misconception, I feel, um, a lot in the self-help world where people are thinking that self-love is self-care. And mm-hmm. for me, it's not the same thing at all. Like I, to get really clear, I ask people, when you look in the mirror, what's your first thought in the morning when you look in your mirror? If you're cutting yourself down on how you look, or I feel so tired, or um, I, you know, I'm extra whatever chunky today or my nose or my wrinkles or whatever it is, if it is anything critical, you're not in a state of self-love and there's more growth opportunity within that world for you. Because like I said, if you're criticizing yourself, guess what's going to come back from the world is criticism, right? And none of us want to live in a world where we see criticism or where that's reflected back to us. So we have to really foster that within ourselves first so that then the world can show us all that love that we desire it's not that we're going to go find it anywhere it's that we we activate it within ourselves we radiate it out and then it becomes magnified back to us so if they go on to the my website then there's the five day self-love challenge which is actually just five videos five stories i like to talk in metaphors and so it's really easy listening not a lot of teaching um and also a self-love Uh, guided meditation, which is just, you know, helping you to get into a place of what it would feel like, how you would operate in your world differently, if you were embodying what it feels like to feel self-love. So at least you kind of have, um, you know, a light on the horizon that's pulling you towards that spot. You have now tasted what it feels like to have it. And you know, when you're in that state of self-love versus when you're not in that state of self-love and what can you do to get yourself back into that state? Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I really love that you brought up the the self care and the self love because that's been a not an obstacle, but just an awareness to me that I've noticed a lot. And when I've spoke to people about self love in person or online or wherever it is, is there seems to be many who can't differentiate the difference between self care and self love. Um, and I made a little video on it on my channel, and I tried to sort of explain. I said the self care is the action. I said, but mm-hmm. the attitude you carry is the self love. And I said, you can get someone that can have a pet dog, for example. And I said, they can feed it, but they could be rude to it, talk horrible to it, but they've given it a bed and they feed it every day. Technically, they're taking care of it, but they're not treating it nicely. And they still care. And I said, but there's a difference in the attitude of someone. You can tell when someone loves animal and they're doing the same acts in terms of feeding it, giving it shelter, but you can feel the love that they have for the animal. And that's what I was trying to explain that to people and say, no, it's your attitude you have. Some people say, oh, no, my self-care is putting on my makeup. Oh, my self-care is having a shower. And that's my self-love practice. And I'm trying to say, yeah, but are you rushing to get that done? Or are you in a full appreciation of love and in the feeling? 
And I find mm-hmm. that seems to be a big obstacle for a lot of people that, again, it's a, the sort of mentality of this time of being very busy and occupied. We've got to do and got to got to be in action mode all the time, but they're not able to gain that awareness or they don't want to. They're just unaware, you know, mm-hmm. that there's something else and they think they're doing it. Um, but that is something I've noticed. Did you notice that being an issue in your own journey? Oh, yes, 100%. And, you know, um, because I teach in metaphors, I also see the world in symbols and metaphors. And that was huge for me. And actually, it was a a few years ago when I was still with my ex, um, we had decided that it was going to be a good idea to um, have a garden, just because, you know, I always grew up in a field and thought that that's, you know, that would be good for the kids to learn responsibility and what it's like to have, you know, a garden, we had this huge plot that we'd never used, but it had been used previous by the owners as a garden area. And so we, I went out and, you know, rototilled everything. And I, because I know how to grow things, I thought, okay, this is easy, you know, let's just throw this garden in here. So we go through all the steps, uh, rototilling it, bringing in because it's very clay packed. So we brought in lots of topsoil and, you know, a little bit of manure. Ground and then plant everything. And it becomes like one. It was one of the worst years. We're in a drought area anyways, but it became one of the worst summers um, in the last like 15 years of lack of rain while also scorching heat and lots of wind Mm. and so it really wasn't it really wasn't good right the environment wasn't conducive to creating the flourishing garden or the experience we wanted for the kids and and um so we finally just said you know white flag up we surrender doesn't matter how much we water this thing it's not going to happen and so we said okay you know, I said to the kids, well, let's just have, you know, a nice garden meal with whatever did survive this. And so we went, you know, obviously with root vegetables, because at least that was there. And so get everything ready. Everybody's hyped up to have this great garden, fresh meal and um, pull out the carrots that are the size of my pinky finger, super disappointing. (laughs) And then, and then we're like, okay, potatoes, right? Potatoes always grow no matter what. I'm sure there's good potatoes. So we go and we pull the potatoes out and go to eat them. Like I boiled them wash them boil them and we're sitting down to eat dinner and my daughter the oldest one she plays rugby and she's a carb lover because of how much energy she exerts so she digs right into the potatoes her favorite thing and just looks at me and she's like mom what is wrong with these potatoes and I'm like oh dear you know my people pleaser flag flares up and oh no what did I do and I'm running in my head of all the things that I could have done better or different and I just can't I feel like I've done everything that needed to have a flourishing garden and for it to taste okay and so finally I sit down I taste them after everybody's complaining about the bitterness of these potatoes and my brain's rolling through trying to figure out what is that flavor that is carried through in these potatoes no matter what you put on them the salt and pepper or butter anything it's still there right and so um finally it clicked and it was like oh pine and then I realized I had completely ignored the fact that we have six huge pine trees around this garden plot and so for the last however many years before we took bought the house I don't even know how long it's been since there was a garden in there and then when we had the house it had been five years already since we had purchased it to when we put the garden in so it had been quite some time before that ground had actually been treated and 
the amount of pine needles that were shedding into the ground, we, you know, I just didn't even comprehend that would translate into the flavor. And it was such a teaching moment for me that it doesn't matter what we do. And so much of this self-improvement world is, you know, do the meditations and do the visualizations and do the affirmations and, you know, do this clearing and this healing. And, you know, we're just like bombarded with trying to figure out what am I missing? What am I not doing? You know, and, but it's, it's always comes back to whatever's within just like the potatoes, right? That was what was in the ground and it has to come out. It's going to be expressed. You can cover it up and try and do all these other things. But if it's still in you, if you don't have that um, self-love, that essence, the flavor is still going to be carried through every area of your life. So it didn't matter what vegetable I planted or all the work that I did. What mattered was that essence was there and it was then permeated even into what was the fruits of the labor, right? And that's so much, it was such an eye-opening experience because it's so much of our world. It shows up in every area. It shows up in your health, your relationships, your finances. It shows up in every area. So it stopped, we need to stop wondering what's wrong with me or what am I missing and just really start connecting to who we are, how amazing we are, and really start to love that person and all the pieces of us. That's another crucial component is all the pieces, not some of them, not the ones you're proud of, but especially those ones that you're not so proud of because they're like, if you're to put a puzzle together and there's five or six puzzle pieces missing, you can't see the whole picture. And it's just like us. We can't see our magnificence if we're still trying to tuck some things under the rug or you know hide them in the closet every aspect of you is important and needs to be seen and come into the full light for the whole picture to be seen for anybody to see how amazing you are you have to show the whole thing we have to get into that space of accepting all of us even those things that we're not so proud of but when we see the whole picture it becomes magnificently more um, amazing than what we ever thought we were when you actually get into that state and that place of self-love uh, beautifully put and yeah I really love the use of metaphors and it's very similar to myself as I go around life and my experiences I'm always sort of storytelling to myself the metaphors of every experience to how it could be a a lesson and a growth and a, a, and a feeling yeah. so I can really okay. relate to our time for the show is nearly at an end I could talk to you for hours to be honest and um, yeah it's really <laughs> it's really nice to to hear and to relate to you so much and just to hear your passion and your excitement um, it's always contagious. It's like a smile. When someone smiles, you know, it's really powerful. It's contagious. And when someone's excited and passionate, I find that contagious. I find yeah. That's like a nice fuel, you know, because I think everyone wants it. Everyone uh, needs to feel it now and then and to witness someone else feeling it. Like you said, it's a mirror reflection sort of <laughs> at the same time. So no, it's beautiful. I have a few short questions. I ask every guest at the end of the show. Do you have a little moment for them? Sure. Yeah, they're just small, fun questions. Nothing, nothing too, too much. The first one is, if you had to choose one, a cat or a dog? <laughs> that's funny because that's actually the debate in the house right now. Um, I think they have their own purpose. I like. You have to choose one. I would choose. Okay, I would choose a dog. 
Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one because everyone you push them a little bit. They always will choose one. I love them both, yeah. but yeah, I have still dogs. I have a dog and some cats as well. So, but I still, yeah, it's just think about them. What's your favorite color? Uh, probably like an aqua or teal. And what excites you? What motivates you? I, my high, I would say that if I was to take a theme of what excites me is discovering truths. Just like that, just the whole world opens up um, as we allow ourselves to see a new perspective and then it's like I see it like a kaleidoscope that we just turn it so slightly and then we get a completely different picture and so that's that is probably the one of the things that excites me the most is because I love my kids very much um, and I love so many things about my world but they come and go right sometimes they're with me sometimes they're not so if I drill down to the very core of what excites me the most every single day whether someone's with me or not with me it's discovering a new truth or a new awareness or seeing life in a new way um, just really getting into that place of that juiciness and and the fun and the excitement of life so I would say that that's probably my highest excitement. Oh, nice, nice answer. And what does the opposite? What gets you down? What drives your energy low? Uh, honestly, I I catch it so quick now that when like when something feels a little bit off for me, and so I am able to quickly translate it. But I guess if I went to what would be the triggers, it's just um, I think sensing other people's energy is probably what pulls me in because I still like like my core is to help people right and so I want to be able to help everybody but there's times when I have to step back even with my own kids and say okay no this is their journey so I would say that that probably what is what weighs heaviest on me um as far as yeah well that'll probably be my trigger as to what drops my energy down you know a few levels in the vibrational scale because it's just I'm picking up on their energy. I'm because I'm trained also as an energy healer. I I do it so quickly, and then I have to catch myself and know this is theirs, this isn't mine to take on. Um, but how can I, how can I inspire them to see things differently? How can I provide them a different perspective so they're not stuck? Mm, nice. What, what would you say? Your what sound or noise do you love? Which sound? Yeah, sound or noise. What sound or noise do you love? Oh wow, I love birds chirping. Ever since I was a kid, I especially in the morning, I've always as soon as I hear birds chirping, I've always said, "Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Rachel." That's mm -hmm. what I always hear them saying. <laughs> so that's one thing that just you know, it, it instantly I just feel like there's so much more to the world than just what's going on inside my head it pulls me into that awareness of how everything around us exists symbiotically for our highest good and how it cares and loves us so much oh nice i don't, I don't know if you can hear the birds chirping around me i'm sitting under some trees outside recording and there's birds I chirping can. can you hear them <laughs> no i can't <laughs> no i think the mic's good enough that it doesn't pick them up but there's a few birds out making their evening sounds uh, oh, yeah, it's beautiful it. what, what sound or noise do you not like so much 
my child, my youngest one, who's eight, when she's not happy, she lets the house know and she's just got this, I don't know. It's a noise that can definitely get everybody kind of agitated. Um, and it's just kind of a squealy, screechy kind of thing. I think that's probably, that's the only noise. That, oh, and the sound of a cougar when I'm out in the hills with its snarl. I also don't like that noise very much. Oh, I, would, I would love to hear that. And at the same time, I hope I never do. Is where, that's an odd <laughs> yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, I've not, I've not been in that situation. The most I've had is like, I hear like, um, you know, like wild pigs uh, making their noise in the dark and stuff. And it's quite, can be quite aggressive. I'm, I'm at the same time really curious. I'm like, I want to go and see mm -hmm. them, but I know it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you love about yourself? I love that I am, um, how do I put this into words? That I'm so focused on my growth that I'm no longer uh, feel distracted by what we're conditioned to believe is um, important in the world. And so I'm able just to every day wake up and become a new version of myself and every day be able to stretch. And, and I feel um, for a lot of people, that's kind of an unsafe zone from where they're at right now. But for me, that is my safest zone because my thinking has changed so much that if I'm not in flow, then I start to become, you know, worried or afraid of missing out on something. And so my focus is not now so much on fixing myself and and figuring out um, what's wrong with me but it's just how can I evolve how can I grow how can I uh, create the next level of me how can I learn today you know how else can I serve it's it becomes that constant evolution so I think that's that would probably be what it is for me nice um what do you love to see in others I love 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 um, when I share something with them and you can see that awareness, that spark light up in their eyes because it's all, it's very similar um, energy as to hope or um, I've got this or yes, that's going to help me or I can do this now, right? So when I can awaken that in people, whether it's my kids or my family or the clients I'm working with, I just love to see people become awakened to what they're capable of doing and step out of that world where we think that life is only what's in front of us. Oh, nice. So what just visually like in, came into my into my mind then as you explained that was because I really liked your metaphor at the beginning when you were saying about a seed in Germany and I know you had you said a farming background as well so uh, mm -hmm. I mean I think about just then it's like I really was seeing uh the moment you know when it breaks the soil when the first first bit of the plant just just starts to come out it hasn't even got a leaf yet it's just broken through yeah i was just i was just picturing that it's like that that's what i was imagining you seeing in people is when they've, they've been as they've germinated a little but now they're, they're actually breaking through the soil like they're growing it's happened you, you yes can see them. yeah exactly and then they just need a little bit of light right just to keep on yeah. saying grow 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 yeah yeah and very last question, what do you love about animals? And this can be wild animals, pets, however you want to perceive animals. I absolutely love everything about animals. I love what they teach us. Um, we also have horses. I love how, especially horses, because we do work with horse therapy. Um, 
how they can take on our energy. And then, especially with horses, they will represent it in their characteristics. They change slightly depending on who's riding them. So I love that they're so in tuned with us because they're not conditioned to think otherwise. They just live with within that harmonious balance of everything that is. And so whatever it is that's in their awareness, they pick up on that. And I think that's such a huge key that we miss out on because we're so distracted running around with our to-do list and everything we need to get done in a day or that we feel justifies our existence or our purpose. But rather, if we can take on that same essence of just living in harmony and the way that animals, I believe that pets especially are here to help us to process um, those feelings that sometimes might become too much. They're amazing at being grounding rods for us and just saying, okay, I got this for you. Let's, you know, let's move this along so that it's not cluttering up your energy. And then they're also at the same time able to give back to us. Like it never seems to be too much for them. They're always able to take on more for us. Like it's, um, it's the epitome of unconditional love, I feel, is that they just, they're able to give, they're able to receive, and there's just no boundaries or limitations to it. Oh, nice. Beautiful. And um, I have to show you a video after this, actually. I'll say it's a little short one. I met some rescue horses uh, about a week ago. For the first time, I've never really spent any time with any horses. And someone wow. I knew rescues horses, and there was a couple that come from... Um, neglection and starvation uh, issues and they get rescued and she sort of helps rehab them and normally she gets cases where they've you know they're already quite old or they haven't got long left and she just gives them some love and looks after them the best she can for as long as she can and she had four horses and one was actually from a legal meat trade um, that they rescued that got in intercepted by the police and then went to a charity and she picked it up from there but I got to spend some time in with the horses and I was doing my normal breath work and morning routine and I wanted to share it with the horses and go and have a little experience with them. And I filmed it. I put the camera somewhere and I filmed it and then uh, in a, like a fast time lapse and just to show the lady. I was like, oh, I was just really enjoying my time with your horses. And she couldn't believe it because the horse, one of the horses coming over to me and sort of kissing me. The other one laid mm -hmm. down and she goes, these horses don't like people. She goes, they don't come to people. And when I was there the whole time, they kept coming to me. And they were like, and she, 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 she was just in, in stunned. And I was like, oh, it's a beautiful experience. But I really enjoyed it. It was really nice to, they said there was a real nice presence about them. Mm -hmm. I can totally nice. see that. When your heart is open, they know and they feel safe. And then they are able to translate that into their own body language. So that's beautiful. It's a, a true testament to where you are at, especially during your breathwork states. But the place that you hold yourself in um, as your daily practice of just being there, being harmonious, being in that state of love, because animals are amazing at picking up on that. Yeah. It's been beautiful to hear your story and to get to know you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And um, no, it's been great. And I really appreciate your openness and honesty and pureness. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing to have this conversation with you and then to also have that um, the feedback of your story and to learn about your strengths um, and your evolution as well. Uh, thank you. Well, I have this. I think you said it's early in the day for you. So enjoy the rest of your day. You've got the whole day ahead. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to go take my uh, cat and dogs for a walk now. The cats will come for a walk with us in the woods. <laughs> I love it. And, and they follow the dog and we go for a little wander. <laughs> oh, beautiful.
All right. Have a beautiful day. It was great. Thank you. You as well. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the Selfish Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Greenheart, and I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. Just search Luke Greenheart on YouTube. You'll find me. Check out my website, lukegreenheart.com. Have an amazing day and stay tuned for more episodes. I'll be interviewing guests on their path of self-development, their path to self, getting to know them in much more intimacy, much more depth, sharing and connecting with all so we can have a much more blissful, joyful and productive life together. All right, much love. Have a great day. Thank you.